When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Settle. McDavid's on the ice. Russell can't get it to him. He'll reset with 20 seconds to go. He gets it up for McDavid. He's got a breakaway. Pulls up centers. What time is score? He'll swing out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker with the touchdown and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. The 6.30 Chad Santa's Anonymous auction is over. Lana Nordland is the executive director of 6.30 Chad Santa's Anonymous. Lana. Oh, is she on the phone? She is on the phone taking some... Can Janine talk to me? Uh, Janine, yes. what is happening? Who? What are, what are our final totals here? Do we know? Uh, our final totals for the seat, we got 6,200. Wow, okay. The sports lovers pack, uh, package went to Patrick for 1,400. Mm-hmm. And the farewell weekend suite went for 1,200. Awesome Adam. stuff. Okay. And we happened to find a second chair. So Adam O'Brien took the second chair. He matched the 6,200. So we got $12,400 for two Northlands Coliseum seats autographed by Ryan Smith. That's right. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I I think we've set a new record. We definitely have. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll let you get the exact total. But I think we were already, we almost set a new record before this show even started. Yes. So we might have smashed the old record. Janine, yes. thank you so much for your hard work. Thank you. And uh, Lana over there as well. Awesome stuff. Thanks to everybody who called in and bid. And don't forget, delivery weekend for 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous next weekend, the 16th and 17th. Get more info at santasanonymous.ca about uh, how the delivery is going to work and where you can drop off uh, toys if you want to donate. Really appreciate uh, everything that people do. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Columbus leads New Jersey 4-3 early in the third period. Capitals up 2-1 on the Rangers, also in the third. Early second period, Vegas 1, Nashville nothing. Sabres and Chicago are scoreless late in the first. Coming up later tonight, the Wild play the Ducks. Of course, the Oilers play tomorrow and Sunday at Montreal, then at Toronto. 3.30 face-off show both days here on 6.30, Ched, and the play-by-play will start at 5. Another big story Today in Edmonton, and uh, you've probably heard it on the newscast, no more combat sports for the next year. You, you, you can't do any combat sports uh, for the next year. Obviously, there's the investigation into the death of Tim Haig, and there's a cry for there to be a provincial commission instead of uh, municipalities handling this themselves. This has a big impact on some people. Uh, world champion Jelena Mergenovic, her 50th pro fight was going to be at the Shaw on March 23rd. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. And uh, also an event 
run by our next guest from Unified MMA. He's the founder and president, Sonny Serene. This event now in question. Sonny, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good. Yourself? Doing well. I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us because it's uh, been a kind of a hectic day in your world. You're the founder and owner of Unified MMA. You uh, had an event scheduled a week from tonight. Given City Council's decision today, what's happening? Can you stage this event a week from now, Sonny? Um, I was supposed to be uh, given my chance today to complete all final paperwork. Um as of my email at 2 o'clock from the chairman or the head of uh, the executive director, David Aiken, I am not allowed to do my event next Friday. So I'm continuously working on it, but right now, no, it is canceled. So that must be, I, I, frustrating is probably an understatement, not just to you personally and your business, but this must affect a lot of athletes, trainers, staff, and all those types of people. Oh, substantial. I've been working at this show for three months. Uh, I have Christmas parties booked from January from this show. It was sold out. We have uh, eight, uh, eight fights booked on it. So you got 16 fighters. These guys are some of the top guys in the country. They're competing this Friday. They've been training for 12 weeks. Uh, some of these guys are on the verge of making the UFC. This is like how these guys put me, like just for the commission to come about and say, hey, the event's canceled. They're not understanding the undertaking that their decisions are making on these athletes on these promoters, on local businesses that are going to be, like EMS, all these people that are going to be cancelled. These guys are preparing for this date for months now. So uh, I'm just as baffled as anybody. Like, I'm, I'm more, a lot more baffled than most people because I have absolutely no idea why they just did this all of a sudden with no notice. Sonny, can you, can you give me, uh, people, some insight? Because, look, I, I don't know what it's like setting up one of these events. I'm sure the average fan doesn't. Is it... Um, when would you usually get your license for an event? Would it be kind of the week leading up to it? Is that the usual time frame? So this show on Friday was my 33rd show. In 32 shows, so in the last eight years, since 2009, I've received every license the week of or right before the week of. I've been working on this, but I've been working on this license with the commission for a month now. Any paperwork that they requested, I've sent in. I've asked the commission, the only thing that's been missing right now is, uh, I think, a few bills. But in the last week, I've asked them for that bill three times with no return. So that's where I'm frustrated as well. I've, I've requested all the paperwork, all through email, paperwork with everything, uh, and they're just not getting back to me. And then all of a sudden, they said, hey, you know, we're not issuing licenses anymore from December 9th to December 31st. I'm like, well, it's the 9th. Well, don't I have it until midnight tonight? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, can we get the paperwork done? They're like, no. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I, my, in, in my opinion, what's going on right now is they got they had did that report with Tim Hag. Uh, the, they hired an independent investigator to do that thing with Tim Hag, and they just got the papers back. I can almost assure you that there's a lawsuit or a, uh, that, it's, that the commission is at fault for whatever. Or I'm not going to say they're at fault, but I guarantee you there's some issues in that. So all of a sudden for them just to cancel the event on us, like uh, I'm extremely frustrated right now because I just heard the news. Well, I can certainly hear your frustration, and I don't blame you given the circumstances. Sonny Serene joining us on Inside Sports, founder of Unified MMA. They had an event coming up a week from tonight, as Sonny's telling you. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, certainly a last-minute cancellation for them. So, and th- th- correct me if I'm wrong, but this extends all through 2018, right? So th- this is going to have an impact on your business and your organization beyond next weekend, will it not? Uh, in the city of Edmonton, we're just going to pack up and move. But like, so this is the way cities, the uh, commissions work. 
I, I, I put in my promoter's license, which I paid for with the city of Edmonton already. And then I book my events throughout the year, periodic, periodically. I give, my, uh, I give my dates in and the commission books in. My communication over the last six or seven years has been with Pat Reed. Before that, it was with a gentleman named Forrest. So I booked this date. I, in January, this date was booked with the commission. So um, just going through my regular stuff, sending all the paperwork in, just my regular dealings. Uh, I had maybe had some paperwork missing, but I've never, I've never done anything different than I've done over the last eight years with the commission. And then they told me today that uh, the show is canceled. I'm like, well, can't we only have a little bit of paperwork left? Can we work on it right now? Uh, the gentleman calls me. Uh, the gentleman David Aiken says he'll give me a call back. He says he needs to speak to his lawyer because to see if we can get uh, everything in in time. He doesn't call me back. He sends. I call him about a dozen times. He call, he sends me an email three hours later and says, hey. No, we can't do it. I'm like, well, why? That's like telling me a store's closed before it's actually closed. The bylaw says I can get all my paperwork until the end of the evening. Why aren't you giving me my opportunity? So, and, and, and it's just, again, sorry, I'm a bit very frustrated right now. No, it's, it's okay. I, I appreciate your honesty and your passion. Sonny, can you give people a little background in terms of who you are and how you started Unified MMA. I mean, we mentioned that this is the, the 33rd uh, event coming up. Um, where did this all start from you? I imagine, for, for lack of a better term, there, there's been a lot of grunt work, more grunt work than glamour for you on the back end of this. Oh, 40, 60-hour weeks for the last three months putting the show together. At, when I was 23, I was a promoter. Uh, at the age of 24, I was still a promoter, but I was also a huge fan of mixed martial arts. At that time, I, had, I, I met a couple guys that were really interested in MMA. One was the great, late Tim Hag. And uh, I started promoting. He started helping me with my events. And um, as initially, it was just a hobby. And then it became my full-time career. Uh, for the last eight years, this has been my full-time job. I put on shows. I put on events. We've sold out our last 20 shows in a row. We didn't do so well at the beginning, so we've had phenomenal support from the community. But this is what we do. We, we brought, uh, we've had Mitch Clark, Shane Campbell, Tanner Bozer. These are the types of guys that have competed for us going on to bigger shows like the UFC. So we provide shows. We are very lucky, fortunate to have a strong base of athletes within the city. And we, provide, we have athletes from all over the, uh, all over the nations. <laughs> Where we're at right now is there's nothing out of the ordinary. We've been here. We've been doing shows for a substantial amount of time. And yeah. now they're saying that they're, they want to put a hold on the commission for next year, which I understand. They need, they need more experienced people running the commission. I completely agree. You're not going to get me there. But I've been dealing with Mr. Aiken for, for a month now, and I've been dealing with Pat Reed for three months on this event. Give me my shot. I haven't done anything wrong. I've done everything they've requested. You know what I mean? Let me let me finish out my last show and next year if they want to say before I book guys. Like right now I have a bunch of guys booked. They're getting paid. They're going to compete next Friday. After that show, they're saying, hey, you can't have any more shows after that. Fine. What am I supposed to do? I can pack up and move, but I'm not going to book fighters and have them attain their training camps, put financial obligations into their training camps. You know, like this is where I'm at right now. Sonny, in terms of what might happen here, would you prefer there to to be a provincial commission in in as opposed to the system you've been operating under? Absolutely, and I don't just want a provincial commission. I want someone who's knowledgeable, who's put on quality events, who knows mixed martial arts, who knows business, and who understands the sport. I don't want 
someone running the provincial commission that has a specialty in uh, in neighborhood planning or something like that. I want someone who knows what they're doing to govern these athletes. At the end of the day, mixed martial arts is a huge sport and it's made a huge impact in the city. We need someone knowledgeable performing and governing and telling us what to do. Like we, that's what we need. You got. We have, like, they've been talking about a provincial commission for so long. We're the only province in the country that doesn't have one. Who We got a, a fantastic lady that's prepared to do it in Calgary. Surely, hire her. Why aren't you? We have people. Why, when we have knowledgeable people who can perform properly, why are they giving the job to people who have no idea what they're doing? Why? Because they're within the city? So those are the obligations I have to deal with, someone who has absolutely no idea what they're doing? How can I tell a fighter what to do if the if the commission who's supposed to be governing me tell me not doesn't know what to do? You got the UFC just came here. The, they, they banked I think two point six million on their gate. The city on that takes five percent from their gate. At Rogers they take another uh, another fee. I think it's ten percent. The city made between three and four hundred thousand dollars on that show and just licensing fees. Why are they canceling my show right after that one's done? Because they don't make they don't make a substantial amount of money with me. Why is that? They just had their show. Why, we need a provincial commission to get to govern these things to watch over them to put the fees properly so we can watch over these fighters. You got guys fighting in Lethbridge or guys fighting in Calgary, and there's no communications between the commissions. One guy can get knocked on, the next guy doesn't know. There needs to be someone that knows what they're doing governing the whole province. Sonny, really appreciate this. Thank you for filling us in on where you're at. Uh, I know you're frustrated. Uh, keep in touch if there's a resolution. Uh, it'd be great if somehow your event can still go ahead next Friday. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. A lot of passion, a lot of frustration from Sonny Serene, founder, president of Unified MMA. And as he explained, he was getting ready for his 33rd edition of uh, his 33rd event for Unified MMA next Friday and uh, now he can't get it licensed because of the moratorium on combat sports in the city of Edmonton. Uh, He did say, and I think it would be a good idea to have a provincial commission but uh, that is being worked on. This story far from over. Inside Sports on Chet. Donate a toy today and make Christmas come true for 25,000 less fortunate kids through 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. We got a new record. All day we've been doing a live auction for 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. We just wrapped up bidding on three items at 7 o'clock. There were items on other shows throughout the day. How about this for a total $35,950? Thank you very much. That is incredible. Shattering the old record of uh, 21,101. Really appreciate it. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. Eskimos locker room sale is tomorrow. We'll tell you what to expect in the next half hour of the show. Oilers going into Montreal. Brandon Davidson was claimed off waivers from the Habs last weekend. And he's expected to play against the Habs tomorrow. Yeah, you know what? I think that uh, that's one that uh, I noticed right away after I was traded. Um, I think that uh, I have something to prove maybe a little bit. But um, you know what? Uh, I'm excited just to get in the game first and foremost. Get the rhythm back. Uh, It does happen to be my old team for sure. But uh, at the same time, just going to take it as another game. I don't want to show the Habs anything. I want to just play my game. I want to go out there and and, uh, control uh, what I can control. And... And, and really just have a solid game. I know I need to get off uh, on a right foot here, and, and uh, it starts with game one. 
You heard Davidson earlier in the week saying that he couldn't stop smiling when he heard the news that he'd been claimed by the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, he was here prior to being traded to Montreal last February for David DeHarnay, and he was saying again today just how comfortable he is here. I was halfway through the first practice there, and I kind of uh, uh, leaned over and, and bent into Rusty and said, uh, "I said nothing's changed. It feels like uh, feels like the good old days." And I mean. Uh, um, that uh, part of it is easy to integrate into. I mean, um, knowing all the familiar faces, knowing the system, um, knowing Todd and, and how things run here, and I, I uh, really kind of put me off on the right foot. So uh, a little tougher for Walker for sure, but uh, but uh, easier for me. And Nathan Walker could make his Oilers debut tomorrow as well. He was claimed from the Capitals. Walker has played in seven NHL games. He has one goal. It came against the Canadians. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman says the salary cap projection to rise to anywhere between 78 and 82 million dollars next season for this year it's at 75 million dollars Bettman speaking at the NHL Board of Governors meetings in Florida pretty encouraged by the continued cap growth the league has never been healthier the game has never been healthier our franchises have never been healthier our fan base has never been better and our fans are the best in all sports cap increase of at least three million dollars would be the biggest jump since it went from 64.3 to 69 from 13-14 to 14-15. Oil Kings in action tonight. Hey, good start for them, leading Lethbridge 2-0 halfway through the first period. We'll keep you updated on that one throughout the show. NHL, Buffalo up on Chicago, 1-0 after one. Vegas leads Nashville, 1-0 in the second period. Rangers and Capitals tied 2-2 in the third. And with about seven and a half minutes left, Columbus leads New Jersey 4-3. It looks like Seattle up next for an NHL expansion team. We'll look a little deeper into that and the history of hockey in that part of the world when we get back. Please support 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous. Find out how at santasanonymous.ca. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, you certainly supported 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous all day today. The live auction items bringing in almost $36,000, a new record by basically $15,000, so we really appreciate that. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched. Glad to have you along for the ride tonight. Hope you have a great weekend planned. We have Oilers hockey for you both days. The Oilers have played the uh, new expansion team in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights, once they are in the same division. Who knows, maybe in three or four years, the Oilers will be playing the Seattle whatever they're going to be called. And uh, as Seattle is uh, up next on the expansion agenda for the National Hockey League, to talk a little bit more about this and uh, what kind of hockey we've had in Seattle before, I'm pleased to welcome Craig Bowlesby to the show. Craig, you're on with Reed Wilkins. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Yeah, but you know what? We, we've never spoke before. Uh, we connected with you earlier today. Give us uh, your Coles Notes uh, resume in terms of hockey history to, to uh, sort of establish why where are you where going to take us here? Well, um, I, you know, I, I personally researched a lot to do with the beginnings of 
hockey in Seattle with my, my books to do with the um, Pacific Coast Hockey Association. So that's where professional hockey was born, you know, in, in, uh, for Seattle and for also for Vancouver and Victoria and other, other cities. So um, I know a lot <laughs> about, <laughs> about the beginning of Seattle anyway. Well, that's awesome. Let, well, let, let's, let's go back because... Uh, I mean, the Seattle Metropolitans, I, I, you know, I know from looking at hockey books since I was a kid, they were a team. Uh, pretty sure they, they won the Stanley Cup in 1917. Was that yeah. the right year? Yeah, exactly. So what, what, was the, what was organized in pro hockey like then for them to, to get to the Stanley Cup and win it? Well, the, Seattle was a, a little bit different from some of the other teams. Um, the, the the league, the Pacific Coast Hockey Association, had existed, but it didn't have a, an American team. And Frank Patrick, who who was the president of the league, he just really wanted to um, have an American team and to uh, get that uh, American team before the NHA or the NHL. So he sort of helped create that. And then, um, you know, he basically stole all the players from Toronto, all the best players anyway, and plunked them down in Seattle. So they started right away, you know, um, they started running or skating uh, right away and with a fantastic team, and they just uh, took off from there. Okay. Uh, the 1919 Stanley Cup Series is one that will be forever remembered, unfortunately, tragically. What happened that year? Well, uh, that was uh, the um, the end of World War One and the sort of beginning of the influenza epidemic, and um, they weren't really supposed to be playing. Nobody was supposed to be playing hockey, really, because um, the, in the arenas everybody was spreading the disease. But they just they couldn't not play hockey. It was so everybody wanted it so much. You know, they went out and they did it. And in 1919, that was like the, the height of the of the epidemic, and. Um, as the as the uh, series progressed, uh, several of the players caught influenza. They w- they didn't tell anybody, but um, the the series was tied. Uh, uh, well, it, it was um, the last game tied up the series, but it, um, in so doing, uh, the players all collapsed. Most of the players collapsed and couldn't play anymore, and that and and so they they canceled the rest of the series. Um, and then a bunch of players died, so it was it was pretty horrible. Wow, yeah, that's that's a tragic one for sure. So, what ultimately led to the downfall of the the Metropolitans back almost a century ago? Um, a parking garage. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to put it quite uh, succinctly, um, they the, they had always been playing on a kind of thin ice. There, if you can use that metaphor, um, the uh, the Patricks had made a mistake. Really, they they put their arena in a place where they only had a ten year lease, and the University of Washington that owned the land um, um, was approached by the um, Olympic Hotel and they wanted a new parking garage, and they were willing to pay a lot of money for it. So the University of Washington told the Seattle um, Arena Company and the arena to, uh, that that was it. They had to get out, and they just they kicked them out, and they demolished the arena. And that was that. Uh, that was in 1924. Okay, so that was it. There's somewhere in Seattle. Uh, next time I go, I'll have to try to find this parking garage. <laughs> Uh, Craig Bowlesby joining us, a uh, hockey historian and author, Seattle on tap to get an NHL team. Uh, we're looking back, way back, pretty much 100 years to the, the Metropolitans. 
Craig, through your, your, your studies, I'm assuming you're not 120 years old, so you didn't live any of this personally, but uh, th- through your studies, uh, what, and clearly it was a different time with media and finances and all that stuff, what, what do you know about the fan support for the team? Oh well, the fan support for Seattle was great. It was always great. They, they, you know, they had near sold out uh, um, games all the time. They had a smaller arena then. Um, you know, them that it only um, it only sat, I think, about three thousand um, uh, people, spectators, and you could have another five hundred standing. So really, thirty five hundred was the, the biggest crowd they could have. But it was always, you know, for important games, it was always uh, packed. Um, and the and the fans certainly supported the the team um, all the way through from 1915 to 1924. Okay, so I guess now we uh, we flash forward or flash <laughs> flash to the present. Uh, I mean, obviously Seattle's had a Western Hockey League team for a long time. The uh, they got the Seahawks, they got the Mariners. They did have the the SuperSonics in the NBA. They're they're gone. They're now the Oklahoma City Thunder. I guess that was uh, heck. That's probably been ten years already. It's yeah. been a while. So I mean, you're you're out there, you know, on the coast. You're you're in Seattle from time to time. Obviously, if the arena is is new or, or they're going to fix up Key Arena, right? Well, unfortunately, you got me there. I, um, okay, so I, I don't but, know. But if you have a building, that that's that's a main thing. Do you still do you think the NHL can plunk down in Seattle and 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 really and really catch on? Do you think it's the right vibe for a hockey team? Oh, absolutely. There's there's been so much support for a Seattle team. You know, um, when whenever uh, the um, uh, the newspapers uh, publish stories about the old Seattle teams. Um, there's always a huge interest. Um, you know, they get a lot of letters saying, we want the team back or we want a team, you know, a professional team. Um, so I've never seen it um, lapse. I mean, even, you know, back in 76, 77, when they almost had a team, they actually had a franchise, but they couldn't pay the the, um, the fee, the upfront fee. Um, even then, I mean, th- th- there was a huge interest in it and and I, I don't think that has ever really waned yeah uh 660 million dollar renovation of key arena and uh, nhl commissioner gary bettman saying the league has authorized a seattle ownership group to file uh, for an application franchise for 2021 craig always a good sign when someone tells you to apply for the job right? oh god yeah yeah <laughs> you got a leg up there i mean uh I I did not know that, and I am that energizes me, uh, uh, you know, immensely because I I I'm, if if Gary Bettman is on side now with that, um, that's a huge step forward. Craig, uh, before we let you go here, you, you mentioned you've you've just give us a plug of of your books and the and the other type of stuff you've written about because obviously you know in Edmonton people uh, can't get enough hockey info past and present. Sure. Well, um, my main book is uh, Empire of Ice. It's about the rise and fall of the Pacific Coast Hockey Association from its inception in 1911 to its basic death in 1926. Um, and then I wrote another book and published another book about the uh, invention of the forward pass, which is called uh, 1913, the, the, uh, the year they invented the future of hockey. And by the way, Seattle was very instrumental in, uh, in pushing forward the, the forward pass and forcing the NHL to... Um, to 
eventually um, introduce the forward pass. Themselves. Well, let me ask you this. I asked you about the, what killed off the Metropolitans, and, and I did not know the parking garage story. So that's it. I mean, the, the PCHA, the Pacific Coast Hockey Association, um, I mean, look, things were different. The air, the air travel was different. The east and west were a lot further apart than, than they are now. <laughs> right. There was a thing called the Stanley Cup that leagues wanted to control on their own, I guess. What, what, uh, what was the downfall of the PCHA? Well, um, player salaries in the East started to advance. I mean, it was the uh, the middle of the 1920s, and the, there was huge amounts of money suddenly in eastern in the Eastern U.S. and they were starting to pay three and four times the salaries that that uh, sorry in the yeah in the East, and then uh, out West the the best players started to gravitate quickly to the East. And the, uh, the the Patrick brothers, who controlled the PCHA, which was then uh, had become part of the the Western um, Hockey League, they didn't think that they could um, compete with paying those salaries, and they always wanted the best players, so they could have continued. It really would have been financially okay to continue, but they they found that they couldn't get the best players anymore, and they sort of they they let the thing go, and they sold it, all the the teams and the players to the to the NHL. Imagine that money having an impact on <laughs> yeah, pro sports. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not just a new phenomenon. Craig, this was a fascinating chat. Thanks for enlightening us. Let's let's try to do this uh, again and find some other things to talk about. Man, oh, I really enjoyed this. Okay, thank you very much. That is Craig Bowlesby checking in, hockey historian and author, and he mentioned the two books, one called 1913, about the forward pass, and uh, I'm going to have to try to get Empire Vice about the Pacific Coast Hockey Association from uh, 1911 to 1926. If you want to look Craig up, Bowlesby, B-O-W-L-S-B-Y, Empire Vice, the book. And yeah, it looks, uh, I mean, still early, but it looks pretty good, like the NHL is going to Seattle. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Got a really good text here from Todd. The text line 630-630. He says, that's when I laugh when people get uptight about rule changes and point systems. The forward pass used to be against the rules. The game is allowed to change. He's talking about the forward pass in hockey, and our last guest, Craig Bowlesby, wrote a whole book on that called 1913. And I mean, we, the forward pass used to be illegal in, in football, but you can sort of still imagine football being played without the forward pass. Actually, it's kind of called rugby. Uh, but imagine no forward pass in hockey and, and watching that. But, uh, yeah, last uh, about a century ago, you couldn't do it. Inside Sports on 630 Ched, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks again to everybody who bid. 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous live auction items all day. You helped raise $35,950. That is awesome stuff. Tell you what's going on tomorrow. We have the Eskimos locker room sale. Pleased to be joined by Alan Watt, Marketing and Communications Director with the Edmonton Eskimos. Alan, great to have you back on the show. How's it going, buddy? Good. How about you, Reed? I am doing very well. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Man, uh, NHL might be going to Seattle. Who knows? Maybe the Eskimos are going to have road games uh, in Halifax in a couple years. The commissioner was talking about that a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he? Well, you know, they've talked about it in and around the Canadian Football League for a long time, and uh, it would really be something, I think. You know, I mean, football uh, in the western part of our country, particularly on the prairies, is always very strong, always has been. 
And, uh, you know, now, you know, when you, when you watch the CIS games, you realize how strong it is in, in not only in Montreal, but elsewhere in Quebec, too. It's very strong. And uh, certainly the thought of, uh, you know, and the same thing in the Maritimes, you know, those collegiate programs there, you know, St. Mary's and, and Santa Fe X and elsewhere, they're very good programs. And you wonder, it makes you wonder why it couldn't happen. And I think we've got the right guy working on it, too, and Randy Ambrosi. You know, he seems to have a real feel for, uh, you know, for being able to not only look like you're going to get things done, but also actually getting them done and getting them done in a fairly immediate fashion. Yeah, you know, I know from hosting this show that it's been a generally positive reaction to what the new commissioner uh, has done, so hopefully he uh, takes us in that direction. Yeah, I just quickly Googled here. There was a conditional expansion team uh, granted to Dartmouth in 1984. They were going to be called the Atlantic Schooners. So, <laughs> but uh, obviously they uh, they never got up uh, up and running and uh, couldn't get funding for a, a stadium, as the Coles notes there. But yeah, it'd be cool. Well, if... sadly, uh, Brian Hall and I were around during those days, <laughs> and probably can remember. He probably remember more of the details than me. But um, you know, I had the, like I said, uh, it's been talked about for a long time. I think the stadium is the big holdup, and then. Uh, you know, you've got to have one of those. You've got to get one built somehow. And, uh, you know, these things could happen. It's just a, a question of whether there's will. In, at the end of the day, in our business, uh, nobody re- no one person really owns teams. It's, it's the will of the community that makes sure one individual may actually own the franchise, but the franchise won't be successful. It won't flourish unless the community thinks it's a good idea. I don't care what community it is. Alan, you got the locker room sale tomorrow. Uh, give us the Coles notes. Uh, well, I was going to yeah. say when and where. I think the where is obvious because it's called the, the locker room sale. But uh, <laughs> when when does it go and what kind of uh, items are we looking at here? Well, it, you know, the thing about the locker room sale is it's a bit of a it's, – it's, uh, it started out in the locker room. It's not in the locker room anymore. It's on the west side of the uh, Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, you know, Gander on uh, on on the gates on the west side of the city. So that's the the others, the side opposite of the LRT, if you like. And it's been there for a number of years. And uh, and we, you know, our merchandise people just load up with everything that uh, that they've got in the warehouse and everything that we've got for sale. Mark it down at least thirty percent. And then Dwayne Mandrusiak brings stuff from the locker room that's been game worn or that's. Uh, stuff that he's had in there whether that's shoes or gloves or pants or jerseys or whatever helmets and he brings that uh, stuff over and we open it up for, at 10 o'clock in the morning for season seat holders and at noon for the rest of the general public and All it right. gives people a chance to get at that stuff and also we set up so that people can renew their season tickets and and also order their great cup tickets the only way you can buy a great cup ticket right now is to renew your tickets or buy season tickets so to make that a possibility as well. Sorry, and how late are we going, Alan? Two o'clock. Two o'clock. Okay, perfect. And I'm glad I was going to ask you about Grey Cup tickets, so that's uh, that's good. Uh, any players uh, going to be on hand? Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we uh, we signed John uh, Sean White today, and uh, so no no uh, official Eskimo party will be complete this weekend unless uh, there's a kicker there. And so we've got one not only signed and freshly minted for another three years, but. He'll be there along with Amondo Sewell and uh, Odell Willis and uh, Calvin McCarty for sure. And uh, we'll split those up into a couple of groups. There's a couple of other guys joining them as well. And uh, we'll be good to go. So for kids and people who like to collect autographs and that kind of stuff, they'll be there 
and uh, of course they're each and every one of them those are those are really good guys you know good people uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you this question, Alan, but I just want to acknowledge a loyal listener who always texts whenever I have an Eskimo segment complaining uh, that there are too many Thursday and Friday night games because he wants more games on the weekend. I will say this to that texture. Uh, making the CFL schedule is probably not as easy as a lot of people think, and teams do try to get uh, you know as many dates as they can to for, uh, accommodate their audience. But I will ask you this, Alan. Uh, are we look are we looking at February for the schedule again uh this year or could or could things change possibly in the off season well uh, we're gonna be way sooner than February nice okay and uh yeah you know it's uh it's it's as close in in uh, to it's as close at this time of the year as I've ever seen it and I've been around since longer than last Thursday so um I'd stand by uh you know at, and uh, and you know we're going to have something really soon. I hope. I know Len Rhodes and the other team presidents and the other football operations people are working hard on it uh, in Toronto. It's another thing that Randy Ambrosi and uh, the people that have been people like Len, who now have uh, plenty of experience in the league, uh, are saying. You know, we got to get this done sooner. We've got to be more effective about it. We've got to tell the people what it is we do and when we do it. And we've got to do that sooner. So stand by. I think it's very close. Oh, that's exciting. Well, something to look forward to. Alan, thanks for coming on. Again, uh, we got the uh, locker room sale tomorrow, 10 a.m. for season seat holders. Public can go in at noon. It goes until 2 at Commonwealth. Uh, and you mentioned uh, White, Willis, uh, McCarty, some of the players on hand. Alan, hope to see you soon, buddy. Thanks for the update. You bet. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, and you can uh, check that out, obviously, tomorrow. Get more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com. want to remind you that Northern Chicken, big sponsor of the show, some guests on Inside Sports receive gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken, 10704, 124th Street. All right. Here's what's going on. Oil Kings in Lethbridge leading 3-2 after the first period. In the NHL tonight, Columbus has beaten New Jersey 5-3. The Oilers will be in Columbus on Tuesday. Capitals knock off the Rangers 4-2. Golden Knights lead the Predators 2-1 after two periods. Buffalo leading Chicago 2-1. Six and a half minutes left in the second period. Wild and Ducks coming up. Uh, they're going to start in about 10 minutes and uh well somebody's going to pull further away from the oilers in that one neither the wild nor the ducks uh, in the playoffs at the moment so oilers canadians tomorrow 3 30 face-off show the game will start at five same times on sunday when the oilers visit the maple leafs thanks to our guests tonight you heard from alan watt craig bowlsby sonny shireen tim fraggle and kelly rudy Thanks to everybody who bid on the 630Ched Santa's Anonymous live auction items. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Our studio producer this evening is Patrick Bauer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on the Oilers broadcast tomorrow. Every stop I make, I make-